We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to Light Years. Uh, Aaron Larswell sitting in for Andy Lou this morning. So I, I feel pinch hitting. Yes. Um, Warriors could have used some some pinch hitting last night. You know, you get a couple of these games every year where it's just like there's no way to argue the officiating was not is not terrible, but it, it's still just infuriating every time. So I feel like we got to start there. The Draymond ejection was, I, I can't even be mad at it. I, it. It was just funny at a certain point. Yeah, I mean, it was it was silliness. Um, and it came from a, uh, a rookie official. And one of the things that good officials do, they, they start to learn the tendencies of the guys that they are officiating. And uh, so the official last night clearly didn't. And, and unfortunately, there's nothing that can be done about it once it gets called. It was I mean, it was complete absurdity. It was nonsense. Um, and you could see on TV uh, quite clearly that that Dre was was yelling at Wiseman. Um, but I think that it's one of those things that that a guy that's new, a new official doesn't necessarily know that and doesn't know the guys well enough. Um, so it's like 90% on him, but I mean, you can say it's also 10% on Draymond. Don't, don't get the first one. And then you don't get put in that, in that situation, right? Like if you pick up the first, if you get, if you get a first T, you know, John at somebody or, or, you know, posing on somebody or fighting or whatever, then you, you're, you know, you're at risk of some bullshit like this, getting you kicked out of a game. I've still never seen a T get called for, yelling at your teammate like you watch the replay it's pretty clear he's just yelling at Wiseman to get back into position like yeah, I, don't, I, mean, I, I don't I don't understand no, I think a, it was I don't understand how a ref can misinterpret that as as being at him 
Right. So and I wonder if it's one of those things that um, because there's it's so quiet in the building because there's no fans. Right. Um, if that is giving the refs rabbit ears. Um, but he also should have been able to to hear what was being said more clearly. So maybe he just heard the volume of it and assumed he must have just heard the volume of it and assumed it was at him. Uh, but I don't think it was to get for Wiseman to get back on defense. I think he was mad that Wiseman didn't seal. Um, Right. on that post attempt and Draymond threw the ball away yeah. which was probably on on both of them right that's like 90% on Wiseman but also again 10% on Draymond um but yeah and I, I think it was especially look look it's nonsense um the game was called terribly uh there was way too many fouls before that yeah, that was that was that. that was just kind of like the cherry on top of I, I want to say 39 fouls um through three quarters something like 30 at halftime it was just it yeah, was unwatchable it was, uh, I know it was a Chase Center record in the illustrious, illustrious history yeah. of Chase Center. The dozens um, there were, there and the dozens of most free throws and most fouls called, yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, but but even stepping aside from that, um, so the Warriors may have had their best game against the Spurs just in terms of like collectively on both sides of the ball and then immediately get back to like kind of lethargicness we've seen mm-hmm. kind of more often than not all season and like so Draymond gets ejected they lose the game there's probably a you know if Draymond doesn't get ejected they probably have a pretty good chance at coming back and just winning that game they were they were already kind of within a couple possessions right when the ejection happened um but even if they did win that game it would have just kind of glossed over what I feel like is a process problem they have going which is save like a couple games all year the starting lineup is just they're starting every game in a hole it's a bad lineup combination whenever the first sub comes in they're down anywhere from five to ten points and I I mean I don't think this team is good enough to just be spotting teams at the beginning of every game so I think there's a lot of things at play here um well first you're right um I mean like I'm I'm like a fringe Warriors Twitter person, but you and uh, you and Sam and myself, who are kind of more NBA Twitter, Lakers Twitter, I don't know that there's anybody like publicly as hard on um, Steve Kerr as the three of us. But <laughs> yeah. You're, I mean, you're frankly, you're just you're right. Um, but I think there's a lot of things at play here. Um, one, the Warriors aren't good, so they're they're not good enough to spot teams. But I think. Yeah, it's not. It's not 2017. They can't just no, play with their food and then no, turn correct. It on. For- correct, but I, I think part of it is the Warriors have going back to all of those years played incredibly well on emotion, and they're kind of. I mean, they weren't front runners necessarily, but they were doing their best on emotion. You know, those third quarter leads where they would kind of play with their food for the first half and then right. just explode in the third quarter, play with emotion, and without having fans in the building. And without, you know, once you get like in a rhythm and feel good about themselves, right. they don't have that emotion, that hunger, because they're feeling like, okay, we figured some things out. And that kind of like human nature is to kind of take a step back. So you combine those things and then you don't have the emotion to start the game. You don't get off to a good start. I think the team, I think it's kind of just demoralizing. They feed off energy. They are in some ways front runners or have been good as front runners. And then you combine that with playing the Knicks who 
you know, people don't think are any good. They're also the least fun team in the league to play with. There's such a slow pace. You can't make shots against them. They're just them. the most Tom Thibodeau team of all They're time. Tom Thibodeau teams. They, they hit you. They run into you. So it's not fun. Those games aren't fun. Those they don't. So there wasn't any emotion in the building. Combine that when Draymond gets ejected. He is the team's emotion and energy. Like, right. This is what you're going to get. But I think it starts, it goes back to it's why you and I have talked about for a lot on this show before. It's why maximizing Steph at the beginning of games is so important. I put it mostly on Kerr. It's also partially on Steph, but doing things that maximize Steph at the beginning so that they can get that emotion. So Steph can make those shots, start dancing, get going. Um, I think it's just a big mistake that is being made, not maximizing Steph offensively first. I want to, I want to talk about the Kerr thing real quick because you are right. Like he, Andy and I have got a lot of comments about how we're overly critical of Kerr. And to me, Kerr is almost a stand-in name for what I feel is like an entire organizational thing. Like, let's be clear, if the front office was not okay with what the you know Kerr was doing in terms of coaching for the future as opposed to coaching for the present, he'd be feeling some heat. Like coaches don't get to do that if they don't have front office buy-in. So it's, well, it's also if, or or it, which he also has, or if they don't have like just kind of a league-wide cachet where they are like right, reached, right, like right, like Greg Popovich could do this. Um, Spolster could probably Spolster do could do it. Um, Carlisle, Rick Carlisle could probably yeah. do it, right? So like there is a certain level of guys that. If you win enough or if you have a chip, you can get away with this kind of stuff. So, so I was like, I'm not saying it isn't Steve isn't a driving force behind it. But like when you say Kerr, for me, often it's like this stand in for like this whole like brain trust of the Warriors. So it's not like as much like I, you know, it's Steve is the problem. It's like it's the whole organization is bought into this for better or worse. And I'm just curious if it's even I mean, you have the best offensive player of the last 20 years, whatever you have one of the 20 best players of all time in the back half of his prime, he's going to turn 32 and, or sorry, 33 in a month or two. And, Mm -hmm. you know, Steph, I do think has a chance to play at an elite level till he's 35, 36 health pending just because his, his jump shots not going away and he works his ass off to keep him like, he's probably the best like long distance runner in the NBA as is, but um, you're still talking about like, you know, you, it's, there's not a lot of time with Steph left. Do we, are what are we doing building for the futures if he's 23? Right. Well, well my bigger problem, I mean, yes, but I, I, I give them credit. Obviously like this season is done once Clay gets Clay, hurt. Sure. Yeah. Um, but I think that they are doing the, I, organizationally, right? I, I have some some disagreements with a lot of stuff that happens organizationally with the Warriors, but at least they went and made the best of a bad situation, right? Kelly Oubre has been terrible, but he was. They were willing to go out and use whatever bullets they had it left Just in the to, team, to try to make right to yeah. try to make the team better this year. So, I mean, I, I like you can we can quib about their drafting or which free agents they're choosing along the sure. margins, but they're they're doing what they can do. So. I understand like developmentally looking f- later. My biggest thing more is this year specifically because Kerr has stated, um, and you and I text about this and, and tweet about this, like Kerr has specifically stated, 
I don't think the starting lineup is the best lineup. I think they have the best chance to be the best lineup defensively, specifically in the playoffs, you know, against the Lakers or against the Clippers. He thinks this is his highest upside defensive lineup. Yeah, I mean, he's probably right. The problem, though, is he is playing for a future that isn't guaranteed. And he's giving away minutes and games now that are possibly going to prevent that future from ever happening. So I, like we, I told you a couple, a couple of times ago when I was on your show, like I don't, you can't give away games at all. Not only are the Warriors not good enough to give away games, there's also only 72 of them. And that's if they, the whole season gets played. So that's true. I that's, I feel like that's the, the part of the calculus that actually I haven't even mentioned. The NBA could easily say like, we're playing 60 games because that's all we can get in with COVID. That's like a very uh, real yeah. possibility. I think it's I think it's very possible. Look, like they're there's they're gonna get through whatever the schedule goes to now. March first, yeah, March, whatever. They're going they're gonna get through that, right? But once that happens, I mean, I'm not sure. I don't think how about this? I think it's unlikely that every team gets 72 in. Um, and I think I think it's also possible that there could be like divisional bubbles or conference bubble or something. I think the schedule could change in the second half completely. And then the Warriors are gonna have to play if it's a divisional bubble, then the Warriors have to play, you know, four of the best. Just a lot of teams. LA. A lot yeah. of LA. Yeah. Yeah. Phoenix, right. Uh so I I think like giving away games for the two reasons that we just talked about is really dangerous and I think Steve Kerr is an incredibly smart guy. I think he's an incredibly smart basketball guy. I think he has blind spots and I think the blind spots are more dangerous right now than possibly they've ever. Well, I think his blind spot gave away a title, but um, I I think it's incredibly dangerous. I I think the Warriors are like on balance are probably good enough for a six or seven seed, but you can't give away Kirk. Yeah, the margin games. The margin between five and ten is in this year's West is really a couple breaks here or there. It's not like I don't think there's a substantial talent difference between that fifth, sixth team and like the ninth, tenth in the West. It's more about who gets their shit together for more games and stays healthy and whatnot. Yeah, and I think uh, uh, you and I talk about this a lot. I think, and you mentioned it a few minutes ago. I think it is a process problem. Um, the results are what they are at this point, but you can't control the, the outcome. You can control good process. And I don't think that Steve Kerr is, I, I think he's doing it for the wrong reasons. I think mm. the best thing to do is to maximize Steph offensively. And he just isn't doing that. He is trying to say like Steph, he's trying to use float no matter what. He's trying to use Steph to get Ubre going, to get Wiseman going, to get everyone else going. And like, to be fair, like that's what, Super superstar players do get, let's just say, like average players going. But like there's I think we've reached a tipping point, I guess is what I'm saying. Like it's at a certain point, there has to be a little onus for like, let's get Steph going because when he's going, we're at our best. See the Portland game where he goes for 62 and just carries them. Right. Well, I, I think that um you're asking so much of Steph to carry this roster offensively that the thing to do it and now it is on step also but and it is also as a superstar on step to get other guys easier shots right but i i think it is smarter because it's more fun when steph's going for everybody i think the problem is they are not 
optimizing Steph and getting Steph going so that he can carry the mediocre guys to wherever they need to get to. I hope you are all sitting down because we have something to tell you. We have to tell you something monumental. We love sports betting. Yeah, I saw Sam actually betting the live action uh, in the second, third, and fourth quarter like a sick fuck. Uh, and whether you've been betting for a while or you've been thinking about getting started, we want to let you know about a great resource for sports bettors, the Action Network. The Action Network is where sports fans go bet smarter and experience real financial gains. In fact, their Action Network app was recently named the best app in sports betting. And with an and with an Action Network Pro subscription, you can unlock the very best of the app. So when you sign up for a Pro subscription, you can access the Pro Report, which includes expert projections for every game. You can see money and bet percentages of every game. And you can see the teams professional gamblers are betting on. Ooh. You can take advantage of Pro Systems, which match winning historical betting trends with the latest games and lines. And you can track every bet you make and get alerts in real time. So if you're looking at Bet Smarter, act. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Action Network Pro subscription is the best way to get started. And for a limited time, our listeners can receive 50% off an annual pro subscription. Just go to actionnetwork.com now. Receive 50% off an annual subscription when you use the code LIGHTYEARS. This offer won't last, so go to the actionnetwork.com to sign up for a pro subscription and use promo code LIGHTYEARS to receive 50% off and start betting smarter today. Look, no one's perfect. Even the best baseball players strike out with the bases loaded. The best golfers sometimes three-pot with the tournament on the line. So if you feel like you're coming up short in the bedroom sometimes, it's perfectly okay. But if it's bothering you, there are options. Go to roman.com slash now. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A U.S. licensed healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, it ships to you free with two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to getroman.com slash lightyears and complete an online visit. Take care of your ED without leaving your home. Complete an online visit today to connect with a doctor and take care of it. Go to getroman.com slash lightyears and get $15 off your first month. Look, there's a straightforward way to take care of your ED. Get roman.com slash lightyears.
Get started now to save $15 off your first month of treatment. So let's, let's talk about that starting lineup real quick then. Um, mm-hmm. I, I put up some numbers this morning. They're not um, good. No, they're not what you're, you would want to see. So they are currently, they have a 94.1 offensive rating. All you need to know is the process 76ers had a higher offensive rating than that. So mm-hmm. anytime you're below the process 76ers, whose best player was Tony Michael Carter Wharton. Williams. <laughs> I, maybe oh, they got rid of the, the, yeah it may have been telling yeah it was not in the nba anymore he was damn good at washington though uh <laughs> just uh yeah that lefty uh that lefty dribble move was unstoppable at washington yeah he was <laughs> anyway yeah and it's also you know what it's, the, the thing about it is it's like it's making steph look like an ordinary offensive like steph's offensive rating in total is ordinary because he played uh, you, yeah you, you because he plays so, so I'll, many I'll, minutes put, with- I'll put the best i'll put this out there so he's playing 30 percent of his minutes with the starters so he's played about 515 minutes about 150 of them have been with the starters um in the non-starter minutes so just other minutes through the flow of the rotation everything from uh, you know, Steph next to Damian Lee, Wiggins, Oubre, and like Pascal to whatever combination, Nico Mannion last night, right? It's 113.7. All I'm getting at that, that puts that's actually top five offense level, basically. Which, yeah, I mean, that's that's not Steph level, but that's good. That's when you consider kind of the dearth of offensive talent on the team, the fact that he can generate an offense that good if you play combinations that semi make sense kind of speaks to his talent right yes but i mean in the past steph has had so i guess the 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 way that we're gonna you're gonna have to look at steph this year is his on the on off differences but he is being dragged down by like really really bad offensive players put in bad combinations there's not like there's no more to it than that is there any way in which the starting lineup I assume they'll play better than worst offensive rating of all time, but like, is there any way in which that five man combination gets to league average? What, what is league average? It's yeah, like it yes. gets to competency. Uh, like that's what I'm, yes. I'm not looking for um, amazing. I'm not even, lo- I'm just looking for like, give me an average offense with that group. Yeah, I think it is possible. I think that is going to come from, I mean, the problem is going to be that, it's going to take a couple months of Kelly Oubre not being this Kelly Oubre before he gets guarded like previous edition Kelly Oubre. Sure, sure. Um, and Wiggins is shooting very well. I, he's, I, I think he's, I didn't, I don't, what did he do last night? I think he made a couple last night. He, I think he's still, he's at about like 40%, 40% right? from three. Yeah. yeah. So, so people are going to pay attention to him, but he, he doesn't have any gravity as a three point shooter. So what it is going to take is superhuman efforts from Steph, Kelly Oubre making 35% of his threes instead of 13% of his threes, and then um, being more effective and using it more often. The not, not even being more effective, just being more willing to go to Steph, Draymond, pick and rolls, um, where Draymond is getting downhill. We saw it in the... the uh, I can't even think the, the game, the, the pre the Spurs game um, where they went to it over and over and over. They, the Warriors spammed it because it was Draymond was throwing lobs to Wiseman over and over and over. Um, and, you know, they were destroying LaMarcus Aldridge 
They were destroying DeRozan. So I think it is going to take Kelly Oubre making more shots. He will, uh, you know, he's not going to make 40% of the rest of his threes to get to 35%. Um, but it is going to take competent three-point shooting from now on. Steph, I think they can get to Wiseman? competent with this group, but I don't think I don't think that this group can get any more space for Steph than he's getting now. What about Wiseman? He's kind of the X factor in this whole thing. For me, they're obviously asking a lot of a 19-year-old rookie and just to literally to be a starter on a team competing for the playoffs. Um, in the first few games, he was taking more outside shots. Now it appears the only jumpers he's getting are pin downs off of Steph down screens, which I don't really understand. I would think you'd want him spotting up or you know popping after he sets a screen for Steph where he can like get his feet set make it very simple coming off a pin down like he's Kevin Durant it's a lot of moving parts for a guy who's having a hard time you know playing at NBA speed like all rookies do yeah I mean he also he gets a couple um you know when they give him the ball mid post and they're gonna run it's usually Draymond is down there, but sometimes they give him the 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 mid post so they can do some split action stuff. Right. And then he'll go to he comes to a little face up game. So he gets a few off of that. Uh it seems to me like the only jumpers he's getting are ones with his foot on the line. I think that's mostly yeah, on that, him. Yeah. Um <laughs> so, I don't I don't think that's a scheme. Like we're we're yeah. really looking to get the foot on the line. <laughs> but I but again, if we're like going back to Kerr, um, I, I would like to see him. I we've texted about this. I think Wiseman should be shooting three threes a game. Um, you know, he's not as good of a shooter as his percentage, which is about 40. Yeah. Right. Well, and you know, and he made, it's cause he made what, like, you know, nine in the first couple games. Right. Uh, so I think that are six, what was it, like six of his first some nine or something like that. So, um, but I, I would like to see more of it. I, I, I think that Kerr has said very specifically that they want him to get downhill. They want him to play with force. So they want him diving more and rolling more. Um, I think there's one or two pick and pop threes a game, depending on matchup there for him. Um, but Kerr is also right about getting him playing with force going downhill is meaningful. He can do things that nobody else, literally nobody, yeah, maybe Giannis, but other than that, literally nobody else can do as far as, you know, his athleticism and size and, and being able to handle a little right. bit. Um, and there's there's also when we think of gravity, um, we think of because it's a term basically that, about Steph, right? That was created sure. for Steph. But there is gravity also with people moving without the ball, like Steph, but also rolling. Right. And you can get you can get vertical, vertical spacing, spacing. Right. Yeah. Is another thing. So Kerr is right about that. That that is one way to free up Steph, sort of. But um, they don't go to it all that often. And some of that may be because they just frankly don't trust Wiseman's hands yet. And I'm mostly okay with that. Like it's the, the most frustrating thing about Wiseman's nothing anyone can really control, which is that he's 19, which is that right. he needs like a hundred more games before we probably see the player that we see flashes of once or twice a night with well, a little more that, consistency. And also let's remember to be fair to him. And I, you know, I'm like, if there's Wiseman Island, I, I think I like I was the first inhabitant. Yeah, you um, colonized it first. <laughs> yes, uh, but also, also to be so maybe this is a little like you know self-aggrandized. But also to be fair to him, um, he's a 19 year old that 
didn't really play in college. Um, and he's a 19 year old that didn't really play in college and big guys tend to take longer to develop than smaller guys. And he's a big guy that is 19 years old with all of that, who is dependent on other people, right? He can't just take the ball and go right, to work. Right. Yeah, he's not, he's not, he's not Jokic who you can run the offense through or anything. Right, like no, that. but, but he's also, he's all Jokic. They didn't run the offense for Jokic, sure. but I mean, he's also not like uh, Tyrese Halliburton, right? Who's had a, a good sure. rookie year. He gets to decide when it's his turn or somebody else's turn. Cause he's got the ball in his hands. Right. Right. Okay. I, see. I get, I get what you're saying. Um, one Wiseman thing I wanted to ask you is I, I, I feel like this is always forgotten in his development thing. It's like, we've never had a draft basically a week before camp starts you know mm-hmm. the draft you know he he shakes bob's hand and then it's like all right well like in four days we're starting camp you know usually it's like you draft you then you get summer league and then the organization gives you homework basically mm-hmm. they, stuff they want you to work on over the summer and hopefully by the time you come back in camp you've seen some real gains whatever it may be warriors didn't get to do that with him which is why i'm so excited to see what happens between year one and two. Um, and, and and let's remember, he didn't really have a camp either. Yeah, he didn't. No yeah. preseason games. Yeah, throw that in there too. Um, so I, I think there is a world in which he like, he kind of really makes a bigger jump between year one and two than you see for a normal rookie, just because like he's so behind the eight ball entering year one, just in terms of like, I mean, in a normal year, they'd have had like a call into like DeMarco trying to work out with him all summer, basically, mm-hmm. right? So yeah, definitely. just getting that could probably do a ton for him. Well, and that's all. There's also some, yes, I agree with you. Um, there's also some reason for optimism that some of that rapid development can come later this year because he was so behind that, that it's possible. I'm not saying it's right. going to happen, but I think it's possible that you start to see like more consistency um but for now like i'm a i'm a college football is my favorite thing in the world and i'm a huge cal fan cal's only really been good once in my lifetime when jeff tedford was there shout out to rogers that's right but so when they had Aaron rogers right he would have tedford would have you know would have this like cheesecake menu playbook right and that works for some guys but like when you don't have those guys you gotta like dial it back a little took me it took me a second to get the cheesecake factory menu reference but i'm gonna i'm gonna steal it (laughs) yeah but so like i think i I think it is also it is it is hard for him um because he's he's a kid he's like literally a kid um so i do understand uh in his development i do understand what kerr is trying to do there um but then you also have draymond throwing him a million things and just kind of wanting to throw throw him in the ocean and see if he can swim yeah, I can't tell if his facial expressions with Draymond are um, like the kid who's way overwhelmed or that's just kind of his expression in general. Because Draymond's yeah, just going at him nonstop and it's like, it's it's just Draymond. There's no other way to put it. Yeah, yeah, no, and it's not going anywhere. No matter no matter what Wiseman thinks about it, it's not going anywhere. Yeah. Um, I, the, the one clip, the TNT clip against the Lakers where, you know, he was like, tell him to go catch the ball and go at Gasol. Uh, why, well, one, I disagree with Draymond on that I do oh that was the funniest part that was 100% Draymond's mistake right there yeah oh yeah <laughs> like, that was a, the funniest part is like god he is so charismatic when he talks because you can all you lose sight of the fact that he absolutely messed up that play not Wiseman <laughs> correct um and I don't think 
I also don't think Draymond was going to say what he was going to say. And then Wiseman was like, I didn't see it. And Draymond was like, no, that's what I'm saying. You got to always see it. I think Draymond was going to come to something else. Right. Uh, but in that case, well, one, I don't love, I don't love Wiseman in like short space with the ball in his hands right. against Gasol. That's not my favorite idea. Um, with LeBron lurking, not my favorite idea, Draymond. But the other part of it is in that clip, Wiseman did look like a deer in headlights. He looked like it was like, 90% like, I, okay, like, what? I'm sorry, I don't know. And 10%, will you leave me alone? Yeah. We don't have to do this after every play was like the facial expression I was getting. Yeah. <laughs> like, can we get a couple possessions of quiet? Um, but okay, so I guess we'll end it there. So, you know, let's see if the starting lineup comes around. And let's, if, uh, I don't, there's, I don't see reasons for optimism <laughs> there. I know. Well, um, I mean, it's staring right in the face. It's, it's Lee for Ubre. It's so obvious. It's so easy. I don't get it. Yeah. And I mean, he must not like Lee because he doesn't play Lee much as much as he should at all. So, I and know. I do think actually, I should have brought this up when you said Kerr has blind spots because, first off, every coach has everyone on earth Absolutely. has blind spots. Absolutely. I have blind spots. You have blind spots about certain things in life. Anyway, um, one of Kerr's is he just cannot stand players who cannot defend their position. You know, like Steph is, I mean, he has a hard time with Steph and I think Steph does a pretty good, and, and that's ignoring the fact that like Steph's a anomaly and a unicorn in every other aspect of basketball. Um, Lee, I think Lee's like one of like the six or seven best players on this team, really. Like it's kind of, yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, I mean taking Clay out of it because he's injured and everything. It, he has to literally go nuclear to get over 15 minutes a game on the floor. He has to like, hit three threes in a row to see minutes. And that's one of those blind spots where I'm like, I get it. He's, you know, Ubre and Bazemore better defenders than him, but like playing a little offense defense with one guy mixed into your rotation, isn't going to kill your defense. Like I get it. If you're throwing Lee out there with Nico Mannion, smiling each and like Wiseman at the same time, it will, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying like put Lee out there with like Draymond Wiggins and, you know, I don't know, figure something out where it's like, all right, you got a few good defenders, a few good offensive players, and let's see where that, where it goes. Well, that, that was the secret, like, okay, we're getting deeper, but that was the secret to the Warriors. It wasn't that their offense was so good. It wasn't that right. their defense was so good. It was they that, have to make every guy that they every guy that they put out there could do both. Um, and now Kerr has to, you do unfortunately have to make, make some concessions and pick and choose your spots. And I think he's choosing wrong. I think, the Warriors focus organizationally and every game, every time he's out there is maximize offensive minutes with Steph. Whenever Steph is out there, maximize his offense. And it's clear that Draymond's going to be out there and Draymond will give you a competent defense. They're, they're, it's clear that they're, so that, yeah, we're, we're taking it home here. It's clear that their focus is maximizing defense. And thinking Steph plus the system will get them to some level of comp competence on offense. Like that is the trade-off they're making. That is, that is what they're thinking. They, I don't think they're dumb enough to think like what's, you know, actually the offense is good. You know, like they're, you know, they're seeing the same data that, that you and I are, they're seeing the same film. You of course, are. they're of course. just and they know to... a ton more than we do, but they're yeah. wrong on this one. They're wrong. And the reason they're wrong is because there isn't the system. Because the system relies on Steph and it relies on guys doing things that they're not capable of doing. 
the system worked what the system worked when you had Sean Clay Livingston, Thompson. Clay yeah. Thompson. It doesn't work with these guys. It, it could, it could, but that institutional knowledge that made all of that stuff seamless, it doesn't exist. Period. Or let's or let's put it this way: it might work if you're talking about adding Kelly Oubre to a team with Clay and Iguodala, and it's just like okay, so Oubre's kind of the odd man out, but he's it's it's just one guy you're putting in. We're talking about Oubre, Wiggins, Wiseman, all players. I would you know not deem as uh, you know the same level of basketball IQ as what the Warriors were used to working with, right? <laughs> that's that's a good way to put it. But, and, and to be fair to those guys, even if they did have that level of basketball IQ, the war, those guys that had that level of basketball IQ didn't get it after two months of playing with Seth. It True. came Think after reps and reps and reps and yeah. reps and reps. So I, it's just like, again, it's bad process. And it's like, they, the Warriors don't, have time to build for later this year because it might not come. They have to optimize what they can do with Steph right now. And frankly, that means not doing the system. I agree with them. Steph plus the system gets you an elite offense. The problem is they can't have the system. Yeah, basically. I think we'll leave it there. Um, The Warriors have the Utah Jazz on Saturday. It will is this going to be the only team that has a player who's physically larger than, than James Wiseman? Like Rudy Gobert, that's pretty much it. It's like, I mean, it's going to be like the Bo only Boban. Okay, who starts? <laughs> oh, who starts? I mean, I guess you could throw a Perzingis uh, in there maybe. Uh, yeah, but yeah. yeah. But this is going to be one of the only times all year Wiseman does not tower over his matchup. Um, Embiid. Embiid's a monster. That's true. Embiid's a big boy. But yeah. there's not many of them. Yeah. And none of them can move like James. No, that's that's true. So you got that. Um, Jazz are going to be tough. And then they get two against the Wolves. And, um, uh, you know, they should be in a pretty decent spot, I, I guess, with after those two games, right? We'll see. Yeah, I mean, I don't think they're beating the Jazz. Um, they will not be favored, that's for sure. No, they should they should have beat the Knicks. Um, and then you have, you know, a four, you go four and one on the stretch and you feel pretty good about life. Um, but no, they, they should beat the Wolves twice. The Wolves are terrible. I mean, they, the Wolves are all time bad. Um, and obviously, you know, I mean, do they want to do they throw a game just so the no, just to help the lottery no, odds? <laughs> no, no. I actually I looked at this the other day and uh, root for every loss. But I think the best spot if, if I were rooting for such things, I think I would want the Wolves to have the second worst record in the league. That would be my suggestion. Got it. So there's just, I mean, the ping pong balls would work out in a way that it's most likely to convey four or five. It could convey Correct. one, two, three, but it's most likely to land four to five, which is Correct. Correct. really like you, you, you can't get a better outcome considering the protections. Yes. I think second gives you the most likely chances at four and five. So I think that's where I, and the, uh, we're going we're gonna to put a plaque of uh, D'Lo in front of Chase Center if they get the fourth pick. Just, <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure you've already i haven't started looking at guys yet i'm sure i in fact i know you have because you tell me i'm sure you've got the guys you want already i'm sure you're you've started breaking down i'm ready for much. i'm ready for the g league bubble because two of the top five names are yeah you know jalen green and jonathan kuminga kuminga just screams everything that the warriors would want because he's basically got that uh 
Kawhi type of frame and, you know, budding game, obviously we're talking yeah. five years down the road, but you know, wing cool. who pro wing who profiles is a guy to guard every position with like, I don't count LeBron because I just don't think we'll see a wing with that kind of body um, in a long, long time. Kawhi is more like like Carl Malone. Yeah. Kawhi is more like the archetype for like uh, a semi-realistic physical profile for a, a wing. Not even that realistic, but like you'll see guys with that frame every now and then. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, you will have to lean on you for all my draft stuff this early. Yeah, we're gonna actually hmm, might get a, might get one of my draft guys on for the for the Wolves because previewing the Wolves games is gonna be futile. Like, do I really want to talk about D'Angelo Russell? We we know enough about D'Angelo here. <laughs> I'd rather talk about what the Wolves could bring us. You want to talk about Anthony Edwards and his? Oh, oh, it's not good. I think he could be good, but it's not good so far. Oh, yeah. All right, man, we'll get out of here on that note. A little, a little positivity after some negativity. <laughs>